with the latest Trots news. Welcome to Gatespeed. Yeah, time for Gatespeed on this Monday afternoon. Dan Malecki's about to join me, the voice of harness racing in this state after a, a wonderful weekend of harness racing. There's so much to talk about and what a terrific Delray National AG Hunter Cup we got. Dan, as I say, good morning to you. Yeah, hi, Matt. It was a terrific weekend, wasn't it? Um, from Friday night, it seems like it was so long ago with the Great Southern Star. Worked well, enjoyed it immensely. Terrific result, just believe. Greg Sugar's chest tubs. Racing was excellent, I thought, particularly the trotters uh, in the heats and then the final backing up on the one night. And then Saturday night, uh, Captain Ravishing just, he was the greatest entree you could ever imagine, if indeed the Hunter <laughs> Cup was the main race. Um, it, it, and it panned out well. As a spectacle, I think the Hunter Cup is the race everyone enjoyed watching there were bad drives there were good drives there were indifferent things happening there was a bit dramatic the sort of things that you can't plan for and that is what a recipe uh, for an entertaining race uh, uh, is and and we got that I think yeah you know he's a pretty special horse when you have an AJ Hunter Cup like that and there's still people talking about Captain Ravishing after it but I want to start with the Hunter Cup Dan because I think it was only last week we were talking about how sometimes in these Big races, uh, it can get hyped up and they can be almost non-events with the way the races run. That just wasn't the case on Saturday night. It was incredible how fast they were going early as that battle for the lead eventuated. And as a result of it all, Dave Moran and, and Honolulu Bay were uh, the recipients of, of that early speed. Yeah, and he's turned into that sort of horse, Honolulu Bay. He's got a bit of gate speed, and what actually helps Honolulu Bay is he's got enough gate speed that it gets him out of trouble if he draws awkwardly or the like. And he's very, very strong for the last 1,200 metres of his races. So he's not just that one-dimensional sit sprinter. Um, he can be strong and he can be tough and he can be set a challenge and he can be up to it. And the race scenario panned out beautifully for him uh, on Saturday night in the Hunter Cup. I had the feeling that a long way from home... He was the one to beat. He was going to be disappointing if he didn't win that race. And David Moran still pretty much nursed him. He followed the right horse into the race. Uh, MacDan's run, by the way, the horse he, he tracked up was outstanding. Some wonderful performance from the beaten brigade. And then David coming up to the home turn, um, I still think he would have won coming around them, but he's elected to just wait and wait. It was a bit like a jockey that you often hear, just counting to 10 and waiting, not going too early. And then he went back to the inside. I thought it was fantastic. And a great story for David. He's been through the ringer a bit in the last 12 months or so, um, and speaking of which, one of the horses that he lost, yet he won the last time he won a Hunter Cup, the only time, was with Lachlan Varad. Lachlan Varad actually won first up uh, at the Meadowlands uh, yesterday afternoon our time, but of course it was uh, their night meeting and the wonderful uh, connection he had with Lock and Varart, and I know that hurt him very much, but he's such a thorough professional I can't help but really admire him, look up to him, the way he held himself together he would have been so emotional inside last night and um, he was he was fantastic on the track and even afterwards, and he's always been wonderful for RSN, coming on all through that period and that um, bumpy time uh, to update us on some of the horses he's got. And uh, there were periods there he was driving top-class horses away from Lock and Varart. And I just thought it was a, a wonderful drive in a wonderful race. Yeah, well said, Dan. I, I had a chat to Dave about 15 minutes ago. And it, I, we sort of had... Uh, do you remember, I think it was six months ago on Gatespeed or Greenlight On, we spoke to Dave. Um, and he, he really opened up to us about how he was... He was struggling with motivation. He, he just returned 
after a suspension, but he, he wasn't really loving it. Um, he had ladies in red at that stage sort of holding him together, keeping him up and about, but um, it, I, I agree with you. I think it's a great story, and, and he has always been terrific for us to come on and be open and honest, and um, yeah, it was, it's just a great story. Yeah, my word, he did open up that day, didn't he? There's no doubt about that. And, you know, I think it was a reminder for anybody that is a full-timer or, or a part-timer. It doesn't really matter because if you're part-timer, it's generally because you've got other interests, work, family and the like. And and uh, for the full-timers, there's still mortgages to pay, there's still bills to pay, and you need to be getting that food on the table. And sometimes it's taken for granted. And it's sometimes harder once you've had a bit of success there because you know what it's like at that end and you know how hard you, you, you've got to work to maintain that that uh, living standard, that style, that income, uh, and at times it can be affected, whether it's personally or whether it's through training horses, and to lose a, a lifeline, pretty much like what Lochinvar Art was, there were bumpy times with that particular horse, but effectively he got taken away from him and then sent to America, and I don't think David had too much to do with that decision, but, you know, he held his head up high, and, you know, what was best for the horse, and, um, yeah, I couldn't be too uh, any more happier for him. Uh, and the connections, Bill and Anderson, uh, they, they do a wonderful job. They've been breeding some magnificent horses. They've had a lot of success. Uh, but this was their biggest success on Saturday night. And that, that should not go unnoticed as well. Another a team, Loris through Loriston. Uh, now they've got uh, their mares at uh, Lower Long Farms, another place, great supporters of RSN. Um, but the thing is, Honolulu Bay is a top horse. He's really emerged. He, he had some issues uh, with, uh, I think it was breathing at one stage, but he certainly had issues that at different stages there were um, affecting some of his racing performances, yet he's got a wonderful record and he's the real deal at the moment. If he can win a Hunter Cup in that style that he did uh, on Saturday night, and he showed that through the Inter-Dominion series. He was so consistent, wasn't he? And he, he ran well in the final, but the final was, uh, it was a more pedestrian early speed in the race and then they all... In a way, it was a bit like a, a Grand Prix car race. They sort of held their spots by the, the sprint lane horses, where in this case, it was all happening. It was more like dodging cars than a Grand Prix race, wasn't it? No, it was. It was, it was just terrific to watch. It was a great race. Um, obviously, disappointing for connections of, of copy that with the way that it finished for that horse, Stan. He was the, the favourite heading into the race. He'd been in such great form. Uh, and as we found out post-race, there was a... Um, a bleeding issue there, but did you see Ray Green's comments after the race? Did did you catch these? In, um, in terms of what I, he had to say about Jack Callaghan on Spirit of St. Louis? I, I did, yeah, I, in, I did hear it in part. Andrew Bensley was uh, interviewing uh, Blair Orange and, and, uh, and Ray after the race, and mm. uh, I, I did I did hear those, uh, those comments. They... Um, yeah, well, they misread, I think, what was uh, probably going to unfold and the horse had to work harder. And uh, Look, it surprised me. Uh, Spirit of St. Louis had to work very, very hard. I, I thought he had a winning chance, but not by leading. And uh, he had to sustain far too much pressure. Uh, so he should have handed know, up. Is that what you're saying? He should, he should have oh, handed up. I don't think you could say you should hand up, but I would have thought Spirit of St. Louis's winning chances yep. uh, were greatly diminished uh, as a result of trying to hold out. Well, firstly, it was Mac Dan. There were a number of challenges there. So uh, in a long-distance race, it's going to be very, very hard, and naturally he felt the pinch. He had to sustain a number of points in the race of uh, significant challenges for the top. So you'd think after the first time you worked hard, you might have taken a sit, but that's the great thing about racing. There's no rhyme. There's no rule. 
sure um, that uh, Jack has to take a sit. He was confident that the horse was back and he could sustain all that pressure by leading, but it, it wasn't the case. If he didn't do that and copy that, was able to work its way forward or it was MacDan that went to the front, MacDan I doubt would have handed up uh, as well. And ma- maybe that terminology handed up, it doesn't really sound that great, does it? It but doesn't, it's I agree. Likely to yeah. Take a trail, you know, but that's just the terminology that's often used and mm. y- you forget about. And um, copy that. I'm not sure if he would have wrestled the lead off MacDan. He still would have been parked. Uh, but I think also Blair Orange would know, unlikely MacDan would hand up. Uh, he was more suspecting that Spirit of St. Louis might. But that makes the good race. Mm. If it doesn't happen that way, we, we see a race that could be last year's Hunter Cup, while a great horse won it in King of Swing. It was uh, the ra- nothing much happened in the race, and I think there wouldn't be anyone that watched that race on Saturday night that thought, "Wow, that was entertaining." And, and look, it was. I mean, it's like going to watch a movie. If it's a biopic uh, and historical, and you've read the book, and you sort of got an idea of what's going to happen, mm. and sometimes those some suspense thrillers, uh, you know, they change as they go, and that's what happened in the Hunter Cup on Saturday night. I think that's a good thing. We're not talking a boring race and a good horse winning it. We're talking about a good horse winning a very entertaining race. Mm. Those comments that I was alluding to, this is what Ray Green had to say uh, after the race. He said, I'm more peeved off the way it happened. It was just unadulterated stupidity on behalf of that driver. Anybody with half a brain would have handed up. It cost him two as he stopped stopped to sixth in brackets. So uh, obviously he was... Pretty uh, emotional after the race, but um, and and it was later found out that that copy that um, had a bleeding issue, which he has had before as well, Dan. So anyway, there's there's a a fair bit to take out of the race, no doubt. As you pointed out, there was it was full of drama. Um, also on Saturday night, as we touched on, Dan, everyone has been talking about Captain Ravishing over the last few months and just how good he might be. Let's have a listen to to uh, Captain Ravishing dominate the four year old Bonanza. Captain Ravishing into the straight, 25 metres to he's a son of a gun. Invitation only, Celestio Matuka, Haranya's running on, but he's a real star and he's back tonight with a big 2023 in front of him and Captain Ravishing wins by 20 metres. He's a son of a gun. Well, he was a dollar one or two or something like that, Dan, and he won exactly how he was expected to. He was actually a dollar twenty-two. You could freely have got on, and then he just uh, crunched in in the the hour or so leading up to the race. Uh, he needed that run. You know, this is the frightening thing. He needed that run. I was looking at him as he was going around, and he's uh, quite a specimen. Don't get me wrong there, but I'm thinking you're going to benefit this run from this run, and there's no doubt. I've got no doubt he'll be two lengths. Uh, better. He'll benefit at least two lengths from that performance on Saturday night. And I reckon a Chariots of Fire, he'll improve again after that. And that's scary. But it's uh, so exciting to see a horse do what he did. He went 150.9 the other night, which is very quick. It's one of the fastest times at uh, Melton over that distance. Um, it was a very strong headwind. It was really gusty. His last quarter was 28.2. Uh, and on a night like that, that is actually really quick. He sailed down the back in 26.2. And he wasn't going 
flat out at that stage. Um, so it could easily have been quicker. The track was in good order and it was running good times, but the wind was significant and up the home straight. Uh, if it wasn't there, take another second off, I'm sure. But he'll be better for that. He'll run in the Chariots of Fire next, uh, which is a group one. He's only still only one that... One group, one race, the Breeders' Crown three-year-old Colts and Geldings final. Saturday night was a group two. I think it should be a group one, and that will probably change next year. But next step is the Chariots of Fire, because that four-year-old Bonanza Saturday night gave him automatic entry into the Chariots of Fire. So he can go in to Menangle, a bigger track, where he can run faster time. And uh, look, it's scary to think what he could do. It's just so exciting. The amount of people that were there early enough to watch him go around, it's amazing sometimes when you go to the races because you get the, 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 the hardcore people that love horse racing, love having a, pant, a punt and getting involved that way. And there are other people that just love talked about sports people, horses, and they were out watching uh, Captain Ravishing and... They can not just understand, but identify so clearly when there's something special, even if it's hype. It doesn't really matter. And um, there were as many... I think anybody that was on track for race number three, their attention was focused on Captain Ravishing and they watched that race. And I could feel it, even in the call, uh, reacting to just one or two things that I might have said in the run. And that does not happen too often. Yeah, tabs Tab can give you a dollar fifty for him in the Chariots of Fire, Dan, which... Sounds a little bit silly, but they might be letting you on with a dollar fifty, which is which is extraordinary. Well, it is. He, he was longer odds than that, though. We talked about it last week when I said that I want, it wouldn't be the silliest thing to do uh, is to take the, that all up, the Chariots of Fire, mm. the uh, um, Miracle Mile, and then the Eureka. The, the Eureka's in uh, September, but I'm sure for the Chariots, he was uh, a little bit longer than a dollar fifty. But uh, anyway, he, it depends on Barry Draws, too. And that's the thing about Captain Ravishing all across the front line at, at uh, Menangle, whether he drew 10 or whether he drew 1. 1 would be interesting because he He's not a blazing beginner. He's a good beginner. Um, he'd probably be best drawn four, five, six, seven. It wouldn't really matter how wide he drew because he would just gradually build up momentum and then go with it. He's one horse that can run, to my eye, as quick sitting with our cover as he can on the pegs. Mm. That multi that we did touch on last week was $16 at the time. It's eleven twenty-five now. I've just put it in. So you've missed, yeah. you've missed the price, but 11 bucks it still might look like a good bet, Dan, because there, something's going to have to come out and beat him. That's, uh, that's going to be the first issue in getting that multi-rolled. It might be Catch a Wave, who we saw on Saturday night. Yeah. Uh, this is Gatespeed on Big V Racing. You're with Matt Nevin and Dan Malecki, and we were just talking about Captain Ravishing's chances of winning all three of those races you mentioned, Dan, the Chariots of Fire, the Miracle Mile, and the the Tabureka, but one of his main dangers might be Catcher Wave, who was very, very impressive on Saturday night as well. Oh, no doubt at all, um, Matt. Catcher Wave's a top-quality pacer, and he is getting better. He's been so professional this preparation. It was a dominant win again on Saturday night, but it was more the way that he did it because down the back, it's, remember, this is a 1,200-metre race. Cameron Hart on Firefox took off, and he put a gap on the second horse. Catcher Wave was... Look, he was a long way off the lead, 30 metres, and while he was getting going, he had to break the clock effectively. But it was the way he did it, and he actually had the race parcelled up by halfway up the straight. So 
aesthetically it was impressive because you could watch him reel off wonderful speed and you're right he's going to be one of the main rivals uh, to Captain Ravishing and we're blessed to have such depth in the four-year-old ranks and you think of Leap to Fame as mm. a three-time derby winner going to be added into the mix he's already conquered um, Captain Ravishing previously uh, it's a pretty exciting bunch of uh, four-year-olds we've got at the moment and throw a couple of Kiwis like a cooter in there mm. you, you know you've you've got some exciting racing coming up and, and maybe that could be stopping that 11 or 12 or $16 collect that some of us may or may not have taken last week but anyway it's not really about that is it it's about seeing the great horses and what makes a great horse elite is the quality that they're beating uh, and racing against. And I think that uh, Captain Rav uh, Ravishing has got one of the strongest four-year-old crops we've seen in a long time. Mm. And there was a, an SMS that came through. Can Captain Ravishing sit outside Leap to Fame in the chariots in a 148 mile if Leap to Fame finds the lead? Well, I don't know whether Leap to Fame is going to the chariots, Dan. Are you, do you know whether he is or not? Uh, I'm Look, I... I'm not 100% sure I can't answer that uh, question. Mm. I, I must admit I thought he would have been. Uh, I haven't heard anything to the contrary, but uh, I certainly haven't uh, been uh, assured that he's definitely going there as well. But um, I look, I think over a mile uh, it's advantage Captain, Captain Ravishing because he doesn't have to be on the pegs. As I said, it's scary to think um, that he... Uh, can go just as quick, and particularly around Menangle. It's not really the place you want to be, but I think he's proven it again even the other night. He, he runs this sort of time away from the pegs, so when he's on the pegs, he's going to go quicker. I do see Leap to Fame listed as unlikely, so if the tab yeah. are actually putting up in black brackets unlikely, because um, I've had horses that are in the paddock before and they're still in the market, so if they're saying unlikely, it must be the case, which is a shame, which would mean Captain Ravishing, dominant favourite uh, and catch away. Well, catch away in $8 now, but he still has to go up uh, next week uh, to be able to qualify. There are certain races where the top four uh, get in. I think, is it the Hondo Grattan and the Paleface? But anyway, they're the races. There, there was a race on Saturday night. Um, and, and look, there, there are top horses there. Captain Ravishing's the most exciting horse, but we've seen champions get beaten before as well, haven't we? Yeah, certainly have. Yeah, just looking at some old news articles and tweets that were from late last year, there was yeah, it was pretty clear that um, the, the the camp was not going to head to the chariots of fire. In fact, it looks like the, the likely next meeting between those two might be in a Eureka uh, or certainly later in the year, Dan. So we'll have to wait a while before we get to see Captain Ravishing and, and Leap to Fame do battle again, but it might be worth the wait, that's for sure. Uh, I just want to ask you about the the great Southern Star and its placement on a, on a Friday night, Dan. It's a, mm. it's a great... I, I really like the concept that, you know, running multiple times in a night, and um, I think it's a... It's a great race, but does it work on a Friday night? I was reading an article that Adam Hamilton wrote on the trots.com.au, and he's pretty firmly of the belief that it just doesn't work that night before, and instead it should be showcased in a time slot, uh, whether that's on, on Saturday night of the Hunter Cup or at a different time, which gives it a little bit more uh, love, I guess. Yeah, look, I agree, and I've just had confirmation that Leap to Fame is not going to uh, the uh, the Chariots of Fire. Um yeah, I agree. Look, that this has really emerged. This race series, it's it's really entertaining. I've 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 enjoyed the heats leading into the final, seeing the horses backing up twice in the top quality. We're talking top of the range trotters here. Um, it's always difficult on a Friday night uh, to get out to Melton. If people want to try and come from the, the city or, or the eastern side of town, it just doesn't work. I know people that were stuck in traffic from Melbourne to get to Melton uh, for an hour and a half. Now, what's the old saying? Um, 
yeah, you know, twice as shy. Uh, once, you, you know, you get sucked in and then you don't do it again. And, and that's very mm. much the case. You're not going to do that again. And it's happened over time. So um, there was enough people there to enjoy the night. Um, so I think the night probably deserves a Saturday night as well. And I reckon the week before, it's just not strong enough a night for a carnival night. Um, this year, there was no Group 1 on the middle night. It was the night of the Dullard Cup, which I think needs an injection and in funds. Uh, or, of course, if the Great Southern Star goes there, um, they would have to move the Dullard Cup, which is fair enough. But I'm thinking that middle night, so in between Ballarat Cup and Hunter Cup, that might be the night for the Trotters. And the thing is that they've tried to create the Manicato-type uh, Friday night meeting into the Cox Plate to Saturday and I get it and it's good and it all happens really quickly but I, I'm, I'm starting to think and believe that the Great Southern Star needs even clearer air because uh, it's a jewel uh, in its own right um, so yeah I think uh, there's a bit of that mentality going around I wouldn't be shocked to see it potentially move to a Saturday night because um, one thing it will not do uh, it, it won't deteriorate, diminish um, the quality of that race of anything, it can only uh, help it um, go to better heights. So mm. I, I can only see positivity there as to whether it's combined with some of the other races, the pacing races, or trying to keep it with an all-trotting program. That's probably some of the more difficult decisions to make. But as a spectacle, I, I, I love the, the Great Southern Star now. At first, I must say, I, I wasn't sure. Uh, I wasn't sure that it would work, but I reckon it does. I thoroughly enjoy it, and, uh, and I think that's why we're talking about having a Saturday night as opposed to a Friday night. There are a few reasons within that Friday night, but I think most people look at harness racing and the big races on a Saturday night. Is that right, or do you look at it that way? Are you thinking if there's a big race, it's going to be a Saturday night, not a Friday night, or is it just me? No, no doubt. There's yeah, absolutely no doubt about that. It's no different to the gallops being on a on a Saturday afternoon, and I think that's why there's been a lot of people want that the Manicato to move to the Saturday with the Cox Plate for, for very similar reasons, Dan, that you want it to be in that showcase time slot when you know, there is people who have a... They're not, they're not totally sort of in the industry and they're sort of maybe casual fans and that's when they expect the big races to be on. So um, I, I definitely understand that argument. And, and the, the Great Southern Star on Friday night, I should point out, was, was taken out by Jess Tubbs and Greg Sugars with, with Just Believe. And I, I had a question for you on the trotters, Dan. I want to know who you think the, the best trotter is in Australia right now. Oh, I think Just Believe has, has proven at domination of the Inter Dominion series. He was unbeaten. His first up run at Ballarat was was fantastic. Uh, last week, um, I thought he was just a little bit plain, but it was probably the run he needed to have. Uh, he ended up getting third on protest. So um, perhaps the run was uh, was better than it may have looked. And then his performances Saturday, uh, sorry, Friday night. See, there I go. It got me. Um, the heat and the drive from Greg Sugars as well was brilliant, particularly in the final because he got a 101-shot cross him in the early part. Even though it was a 101-shot, pretty good horse, just the same Mufasa Metro. I think the surprising part was he crossed a few other speedy horses. But uh, Greg still had to make it a decision going around that first turn do I stay behind the 101 shot or do I come off the pegs and if the 101 shot um, is supposed to be uh, coming back in your face at the 300 before the sprint lane um, it's it could be a it's a hard luck story in a $300,000 race it's not one you really want to have so 
uh, I thought he, he showed, um, well, he's thinking. I, I felt like I could see his brain, should I, shouldn't I? And mm. as usual, he, he, he'll make the right decision, and he did, and it was a soft win in the end uh, for, for Jasper Lee. Some really good performances, but as it turned out, it was the barrier draw that was that was key for, for, for Jasper Lee to give Greg, Greg that opportunity of, uh, of allowing him to make a decision and stay on the pegs. But the horse might have benefited from barrier one, but he had a, a back row draw in the Inter-Dominion Grand Final, and he's been winning uh, big races from, from any barrier. And right at the moment, he's clearly the best trotter going around. I don't think anyone could possibly uh, dispute that at the moment. Uh, yeah, well done to the team there. And also, I guess the other race we should probably talk about, Dan, is the, the Group 2 on Saturday night, the Ladyship Cup, which was taken out by uh, Amore Vita and a little bit of a surprise. Tough Tilly started the, the really short price favourite there. Yeah, look, she did. I thought Amore Vita could win, but I didn't envisage that Tough Tilly was going to break up at the start. I, I, I was envisaging that she might get headed off at the start uh, and things might be evened out a little bit, but it was a gem of a drive from Chris Alford, drawn inside the back row. When he has recognised that Tough Tilly had made a mistake, he quickly whipped around and just at the right point of the race, the slowest point of the race, he makes his move to get up without cover. And then Amore Vita on the home turn looked like she was going to get run down by about five horses and she showed great heart, great intestinal fortitude uh, to hold off uh, Tay-Tay, who for all intent and purposes looked like she, she had that race. And there was a couple of outsiders, so what ran well. And I think Ten going with Sierra with clear running in the straight, it would have been an incredible return. Had a long layoff and was first up, was at about 150 to 1 into about $41. And it got so, well, with a clear run, it might have made it interesting as well. But Amore Vita, she kept fighting. And you can never underestimate those horses. They win by a nose. They look like they're beaten, but they just refuse to yield and let something else get past them. And that's exactly what Amore Vita did. Tough Tilly, yep. Um, she, she galloped at the start, so it was pretty much game over. She only got beaten eight and a half metres after that, so it was still a fine performance. But you can't do that at that level, which is a bit unfortunate because she did start a dollar forty-five, and as we well know, she's uh, she would have been right at the, the finish, whether she led or not. But uh, she galloped right at the very start of the race. Uh, it was a terrific weekend all around. There's no doubt about that, Dan. It was a, a sensational Delray National AG Hunter Cup. And then yesterday, uh, everyone was captured by the performance of Lachlan Varad in the United States at his first start. He got things off on a winning note. It's Lachlan Varad by two. Car buying gears up to come at him. Burnham boys full out on the outside. Nicholas Beach on the outside. Lock and Bar Art is desperate, out sprinting them. And now here is Burnham Boy late first. Lock and Bar Art. Lock and Bar Art in his U.S. debut does it. And then it was Burnham Boy. Dan, you know a whole lot more about the American racing scene than what I do, but great to see Artie get the victory over there. I'm going to shock you with something now that I could not believe, right? I, I, um, Kevin Gordon had texted me what time the race was on, I, I, cause, and he said 2, 2 p.m., and, and I thought, that seems odd. But anyway, uh, it wasn't um, bet on the TAB. There was a few races from the Meadowlands, but not that one. So I, I went high and low searching, you know, yes. if I can see the race and find it. And I found somewhere to watch the race. <laughs> I found a betting site to watch the race, and I saw the opposition. And there was a couple of ex-Australian horses that... I know I called, mm. and I know Lochinvarad is a suburb better than. In that small field of six, yeah. if I told you what price, and, and I'm, you know, it's got nothing to do with winning or whatever. I just couldn't resist, uh, you know, uh, having twenty dollars on Lochinvarad. Do you know what price I got? Was he six dollars or something like yep. that? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Can you believe that? I couldn't believe it. <laughs> it doesn't I thought really I make just much sense, it. does it? If, if, I if, just, it yeah. 
Yeah, and he wins it. And and to be truthful, he looked always looked like he was going to win. Mm. Um, and he'll benefit from that run as well. They're identifying a race in a couple of weeks' time for him to back up. So a, a wonderful uh, debut in America for uh, Lock and Var Art. Uh, been a pretty bumpy road for him uh, in the last two years. But uh, the symmetry or irony, I yeah. suppose, that his biggest win was the Hunter Cup. So the very same day, effectively, two years previous. Yeah, no doubt about that. Hey, uh, Dan, it was a sensational weekend. You called beautifully, as always, across the uh, the couple of nights. We appreciate your insights on gate speed today and look forward to catching up on Thursday for Green Light On. Yes, indeed. Look forward to it as well. Thanks, man. It's the great Dan Malecki joining us. He does each and every Monday.